Recode Radio presents Too Embarrassed to Ask, hosted by me, Kara Swisher, and Lauren Good of The Verge, powered by digital media. Today's sponsor is Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Lauren Good, senior editor of... of too embarrassed to ask. <laughs> That's it's. We're starting a whole new vertical. Box is going to buy. Hi, I'm Lauren Good. I run the Verge. Just say that, you know. Yeah. Hey, Neil. I yeah. hope you don't mind. I won't correct you. I'm Lauren Good, and this is a coup. We've seized the radio station <laughs> in the Capitol. <laughs> Look out, Jim. Hi, I'm Lauren Good, Senior Editor of Technology at The Verge, and this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. If you have questions that you've been dying to ask, we'll give you the answers, plus our views on all the latest gadgets. You can submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. That's all one word, hashtag AskRecode. Also, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, leave us a review. I have to say I'm really excited because I just checked iTunes the other day. We have five stars on our podcast and we have some really nice reviews that have been left by our listeners. So I just want to thank everybody for taking a few minutes to do that for us. On today's Too Embarrassed to Ask, I am delighted to welcome, this is so exciting by the way, because ever since we started this podcast, I think it was back in January now, I've been saying to Kara Swisher, this is the one person that I really want to get on the show. Um, So I'm really excited to welcome the executive editor of The Verge and co-founder of Recode and someone who was my boss for a long time and now he is technically no longer my boss, but I still call him the boss, Walt Mossberg. Well, thank you for joining me here today. I'm thrilled to be here, Lauren. This is the one podcast I've always wanted to be on. I don't know if I believe you when you say that. I mean, if... If Michelle Obama had a podcast, I'd still want to be in yours Wow, more than hers. Wow, I feel so special. Well, Kara couldn't join us today because she's on vacation in Hawaii, but that is her loss because we are talking all about Apple today. Uh, both Walt and I, along with other members of the Virgin Recode, were down in Cupertino earlier this week for a big spring Apple event. And actually, if we sound a little bit different now, it's because we're still down in Silicon Valley. We're at my house and we're not at our usual studio. Do you want to give the exact address? <laughs> Maybe my social and shoe size while we're at it. You got to really press the buzzer and then someone will open it eventually and you can just come in, throw a black sheet over my Nest camera and steal everything. So, Walt, uh, we've managed to convince you to stay a little bit longer in Silicon Valley. I love coming to your house because you know who's here. I think I know what you're going to say. It's Nougat the Cat, and I love Nougat the Cat. Nougat loves you as well. I was so excited the first time you came over and met Nougat because it was really important to me that you give him a good review. I did. I gave him a great review in the column that few people know I write in Cat Fancy. (laughs) Is that the name of it? Yes. What is what is your lead? It's like it's like cats are hard to understand and it's not your fault. Well, that's actually totally true. That's totally true. You were there in the forefront of the cat revolution. Of the cat revolution, yeah. Yes. I was. All right. Well, we're going to get to questions about Apple and maybe some questions about cats. I don't know from our readers and <laughs> listeners later on in the show. But first, Walt, for those who don't know, tell us briefly what was announced earlier this week at the Apple event. So this was kind of an unusual event, they announced basically derivative products and price cuts. That's really what they did. 
which is not to diminish the products because I think they'll be interesting for a lot of people, but they announced a smaller screen iPhone, four inch screen like they had a couple of years ago, but with all revised, amped up innards on it. So a very modernized version and at a the lowest price, the base price they've ever started a new iPhone at $399. It's called the iPhone SE. They also announced a smaller version of the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, came out last November. Correct. And you and I both reviewed that for The Verge. Right, and it was a, a 13 inches, so it was a quite large for an iPad. And really was meant to go along with a, a keyboard accessory the first time they'd ever made a kind of snap-on keyboard, which was a concept Microsoft pioneered, and a stylus called the Pencil. And now they have a standard-sized iPad, 9.7-inch screen with those things. They also cut the price of the Apple Watch, the base model of the Apple Watch, to $299 from, I want to say, $350. Uh, Yeah, it was $349 for the Sport model, the aluminum. And that's the one they cut to Mm $299. And, uh, you know, that was about it. And then there was also uh, iOS 9.3. Yeah, but they didn't need an event to announce that. No, They they were having an event, so they announced it. Normally at the start of Apple events, we get uh, sort of this rattling off of statistics. We're great. around sales numbers. Here's a video of our newest store. (laughs) Right. Here's how bad Windows (laughs) is doing compared with us and all of that. Well, we got a little of that. A little bit of that. But um, there was a lot of emphasis on uh, the environment. Lisa Jackson came out and spoke on stage. And then Tim Cook did address the debate, if you want to call it that, that the company had been having with the FBI over encryption. That's what you call a debate? I I, I don't know. Debacle? What is it? No, it's, word? it's it's a, it's a massive fight. It is over elemental issues in society with the FBI in court, and he came out and just briefly talked about that, very briefly, but just kind of recommitted to their point of view on this uh, about the importance of privacy and security on their products. Then they did the environmental thing that you just referred to. Then they did another one about their research initiative, which they've. Talked about before, but mm-hmm. they talked about it again, and they expanded health, it specifically. Health. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, yeah, health research, medical research, and they talked about expanding it from new ways to get people into research, uh, medical research tests, to actual ways of using the phone to help them apply medical care mm-hmm. and, and track their medical care with their doctors. So they did all that before they actually announced these products, and that was. Quite unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also the first Apple event, and I've been to almost all of them over the years. Uh, it was the first Apple event where yak ranchers were mentioned. <laughs> That's right. There was mention of a yak rancher, yeah. and then we saw a robot named <clears throat> Liam. Yes, we did. Yeah, we saw a robot. T- takes apart it, your phone. It takes apart your phone uh, for recycling. And it was a gripping video, and everyone was sitting there watching this and thinking, how long before this robot actually assembles the phone? <laughs> I was thinking how long no before <laughs> this robot takes over my job at The Verge. Yeah. Just taking photos and sending You haven't tweets. gotten the memo? Because that's next and week. What, this is my last podcast. This is your last podcast. <laughs> next week, Liam the Robot. <laughs> Liam the Robot. <laughs> will be hosting guest. two embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> Brian the Robot. <laughs> Why do they got to be dudes, Walt? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just next week. Okay. <laughs> 
But um, back to the actual products. Were there any surprises, do you think, I think around the prices, what we saw? The prices were mm-hmm. the surprises. The, you know, there was a time when Apple could keep these things super secret. You know, Steve Jobs, even though there were Apple blogs in those days, I guess there were maybe people were more afraid of Steve Jobs and they, there were no leaks or fewer leaks. I think it's become much harder for them to keep the main points of, the, of what they're announcing secret. But what I don't think people expected was the price cut on the watch and the three ninety nine starting price on the new iPhone. Which, by really, the way, still isn't cheap. It still isn't cheap, but it's kind of a mid-range. You know, Apple is like BMW, right? Their stuff mm-hmm. is always premium priced. This, it isn't like a $300 or $350, which is usually what you think of as mid-range in Android phones. But for an iPhone to be $399, even with terribly paltry 16 gigabytes of, of storage, puts it sort of in the mid-range category, and I think that was not expected. And why is Apple doing this? I assume they're doing it to get people to buy it, and yet because they're using the same body on the outside that they used in several generations of iPhones, and on the inside the same components that they're buying in high volume for their 6S series, I assume they can afford to make a decent margin even at the 399 price. Mm-hmm. So the idea is it's the same body, but it has, <clears throat> like you and I were chatting about this earlier, it has Touch ID, so you can use Apple Pay. It has NFC. It has a better camera. Uh, it has the, a couple of different modes. Well, I mean, when right, you say better, it has a much better camera than the than last the 5S, four-inch phone. Right, yeah. which was the last four-inch phone. Right. But a camera that now rivals the 6S Same, it's the same camera. Phone. Right, and so are those the features that are supposed to be, I don't know, spurring people to upgrade? If you know somebody yeah, that look, has here's the, the basic here's the basic theory, and we'll see if it works out. Basic theory is that there are two groups of people in the world that this is aimed at, and I say the world because they are looking globally. Uh, one is people who really do like a smaller phone; they feel it fits better in their hand, maybe in their jeans pocket, maybe in their purse, whatever it is. They want that size phone. I know several people like that who just have not upgraded from the 5S because they want a 4-inch phone. The other group is, and there could be some overlap here, people, and they made the point that this is especially true overseas, people for whom a $650 or $670, whatever it is, iPhone, even more if you buy the, the large plus model, uh, is just way too expensive. But mm-hmm. a $399 one might be a little stretch, but you might be willing to make that stretch and go for it. Whereas if it's six fifty, you're not going to do it. I mean, the monthly installment price at the carriers is seventeen dollars mm-hmm. for at this the U.S. Phone, carriers. At the U.S. It's, carriers, yeah. and I think if you can snag one of the remaining subsidized two years contract, two year contracts, it's free. Mm-hmm. So I think that's their reasoning. And so to get those people to move, they have an attractive price. And they have brought back the size they like, but with all modern components. And I got to say, you and I have had a 
chance to fool around with it for a few yep. minutes. We actually have the iPhone SE rose gold right here <clears throat> in front of us, or rose gold. I know, I'm so inspired by it, and uh, <laughs> by the rose gold, which to me just looks pink, Lauren. It just looks pink. It really is just pink. It's, it it no looks matter, like... You can, I'm, yeah, no matter how you hold it in the light. It's kind of a day. Barbie phone to me, it's, but <laughs> no offense to you, rose gold Well, you called the next bit Robin I did, yeah. It's There's going to be a whole class of... <laughs> Phones I call Barbie phones, but um, but that phone is fast. It feels really fast, and there's no logical reason why it should be any faster than the iPhone 6s that I use all the time. Except maybe it's pushing fewer pixels because right. the, the screen is, is smaller. Smaller, mm-hmm. but it has the same A9x chip as the iPhone exactly. 6s. Or the last time I picked up a phone of that size and shape and body, it was it was slow. a couple of generations of chips ago. Mm-hmm. I have to say one of the things that I really liked about the 5S was how good it felt in the hand for exercising, which yeah. I know is kind of a silly thing. And some people would say, well, that's just not a priority for me. And that's fine. I don't but think it's for me, silly at all. I ran so many miles holding that phone in my hand. And then when I wasn't holding it in my hand, I would wear it attached to my arm and it didn't look ridiculous. Some of these phablets look really ridiculous um, yeah. when they're strapped to your arm or you know you're wearing them uh, even in your pocket sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable but I really liked the small size of the 5s at the time for those reasons but now I do feel slightly spoiled by phablets I'm using the Samsung Galaxy S7 Edge right now and I've got an iPhone 6s that's um, you know mostly my daily driver and I've used the 6s plus and it's really nice having more screen real estate and they used to be, I mean, when phablets for, and I know some people hate that word, phablets, but when large phones started to come to the U.S. and became sort of more acceptable, you know, there were sacrifices that you felt you kind of had to make with, like, bigger phones. But now I think they're done really well. I can well. remember writing a com saying um, it felt like when you were talking on the phone, when you're making a voice call with it, it felt like you were doing it into a waffle. Yeah. <laughs> Use that a piece of toast. <clears throat> or a piece that of toast. That was the, uh, your Dell Street <clears throat> review. Yeah. And I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. I would not go back from my 4.7 inch phone to my to the, the four inch. But mm-hmm. there are anywhere between different analysts have different estimates, but there are anywhere between 20 and 30 percent maybe of people who just prefer that form factor. Even at the verge, where we have a tech savvy audience. In an unscientific poll that we did uh, about what the ideal screen size is, 22% of the people said four inches. So there is a group of people who've been holding out. Look, Apple is not doing this for a lark. They have mm-hmm. some business sense that there's a group of people who've been holding out because this is the size they want and not larger. Right. Um, let's talk about the iPad. And I want to talk about the iPad because you and I take very different approaches to our iPad usage. You like your iPad. <laughs> not saying I dislike the iPad, but you like it. You use it regularly. I, I see do. you use it during work events as a you know your work machine, your work right. computer. Whereas um, I've used it for media consumption and honestly not a lot much else. When I tested the iPad Pro last November and wrote about it for The Verge, I did say that because of its power and because of its screen real estate, I felt as though... Maybe this is something that I could use instead of a traditional clamshell laptop, you know, the next time I'm traveling, if I don't feel like carrying a, a laptop or want to try using it for business. But there's still some things about using a mobile operating system, even on such a large screen, that doesn't really work for me for full productivity. But you you use an iPad. 
you're about the iPad. I do use the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I don't know, six laptops, and mm-hmm. I use them, and I have a big iMac. I mean, I use them. There are some things for which I don't use the iPad and prefer to use the laptop, like basically writing, if I'm writing 1,800 words, I'm much likelier to do that on the regular laptop. But I have no problem editing a column or you know, reviewing a spreadsheet or, or a, a PowerPoint deck or something on the iPad. I have no trouble. I mean, you know, if you think about email, if you think about Slack, if you think about even some, a lot of texting, it can be social, but a lot of it is business. And so that's work. If I'm doing work email, and I do a lot of it on iPads, as of course my phone, but uh, also iPads, that's work. And so I have no problem. Uh, I have thought of the uh, iPad, and I stress iPad and not tablets in general, because I think most of the Android, Google has made what I think is a mistake in not creating and pressing for a special kind of app that is just meant for tablets. Too many Android apps that you run on your tablet just look like blown up phone apps. And whereas Apple announced at this event that they had a million iPad specific apps. Yes. So yes, I use iPads. I'm not sure that I'm sold yet on the upgrade from you know a regular, relatively recent iPad this iPad Pro, but it is more powerful and it does have a direct connector for a keyboard that you don't have to charge or mm-hmm. any of that and stuff. And it works with pencil. And it works with the pencil. So for people who maybe love their iPad Air 2 or are considering getting an iPad Air 2 versus a 9.7 inch iPad Pro, which we saw earlier this week. Which costs $100 more. Which costs more, works with the keyboard and works with pencil, which by the way, We've talked about this, too. You can use plenty of excellent accessory keyboards with a quote-unquote regular iPad. Right. It's just not Apple's smart cover keyboard connector. I'm probably botching that. Do you, I mean, do you think that the next natural upgrade for people is going to be, well, I'm looking at a 9.7-inch iPad, so maybe I'll just get the Pro? Uh, You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I think that's... That's a bigger question than any of the questions surrounding the phone. I feel much more comfortable believing that there's a significant group of people who, for the reasons we discussed, will will want this phone than I do having any certainty in predicting whether there's a significant number of people who want to upgrade to this iPad. But the iPad, I mean, just like you said about the, the iPhone SE, the iPad Pro, the new one, the 9.7 inch, it's being done for business reasons as much as Both these the products phone. are derivative products being done for business reasons. Mm-hmm. There is one sort of new technology. It is in the iPad. It's a... uh, It switches tones. Switches tones Mm -hmm. on the screen to uh, match the ambient lighting conditions. Lots of people's devices for a long time have had ambient uh, brightness settings, just pure brightness. But this actually switches the warmth of the color based on the lighting conditions around you. And that's not something that's in the regular 9.7-inch no, iPad No, that's Air a new 2. thing, and it's not in the phones either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just in this new iPad Pro. And it also has the faster processor and all that kind of stuff that's in the bigger one. It seems to me like maybe there are greater things that could be done here to really revive 
iPad sales. I mean, iPad sales have been flagging. In the first quarter of this year, Apple reported that iPad sales were down 21% year over year. Right. And people aren't upgrading them nearly as frequently as they might upgrade an iPhone or even another you know, consumer tech gadget. Do you feel like maybe there's something else that could should be could be should be done here? Is this is just the I do. nature of the tablet market? I do. No, I think holograms. <laughs> I think I mean, you know, if Princess Leia came out of the iPad and said, "Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi." <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Wouldn't you buy that right away if you no, saw that? No, I wouldn't. I would I would uh it would be used as a party <clears throat> trick when I was over now, at I'm, uh, house. I think the snap-on keyboard, which I repeat was originated with Microsoft, uh, is something Apple should have done a while ago. Uh, I think was the next logical. I mean, when you saw 20 different keyboards coming out, and maybe not a majority of the iPad users, but you know, a significant number of people willing to spend money went and did this, they probably should have done it at that time. I don't know whether... It's too late to break into whatever people consider the normal upgrade cycle for their iPads. They they are high-quality devices, unlike a lot of the Android tablets. I don't mean every Android tablet, but certainly most of them, I think, are are not built with the build quality of, of an iPad. So they don't break down very quickly or very often. And if they do what you want them to do, uh, whether it's media consumption or light productivity or whatever it is, you aren't necessarily incented to replace them. I think one group of people clearly are going to be attracted to this are graphics-oriented people who want to use the pencil and who found the original iPad Pro from last year either too big, which I found it to be, Mm -hmm. for comfort. Or too expensive. Or too expensive, yeah. So whoever wanted it, lusted for it but couldn't afford it or thought it was too big uh, may want this one but we'll see all right Walt. well thank you for all of these great insights and we've got more to come so stay tuned we're going to get to questions from our readers and listeners in a minute but first here's kara with a word from our sponsors thanks lauren i'm checking in for my vacation to remind everyone that today's episode of too embarrassed to ask is brought to you by framebridge FrameBridge makes it super easy and affordable to custom frame the things you love. And they can frame anything. They'll send you a mailing kit for your artwork, posters, album covers, old photos, anything. Their experts frame it and send it back to you in days fully ready to hang. You can also upload pictures from your phone or laptop or even upload directly from your Instagram feed. Pricing starts at just $39. The best part, all shipping is free. They're giving a special offer to our listeners this month. Just visit framebridge.com and enter offer code ASK15. That's ASK15 at the check out for 15% off your first Framebridge order. Thanks, Framebridge. We'd also like to thank our other sponsor, SoFi. SoFi is changing things up in the financial space by offering great rates on things like student loan refinancing, mortgages, and personal loans. They also provide awesome perks that big banks can't, like career services, nationwide member events, an entrepreneur program, and more. SoFi is all about staying nimble and innovative and putting members first. That's why they back their members for life. They partner with people who have potential for financial greatness then actually help them get there and be successful. To learn more about what they have to offer, visit SoFi.com. That's S-O-F-I. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com. Okay, I'm going back to the beach. Lauren and Walt, the rest of the show is on you. All right. Thanks, Kara. Or Ghost of Kara. Or Ghost of Kara. From Hawaii. Right now she's having a (laughs) mocktail on the beaches of Hawaii. 
Um, so every week we ask our readers and listeners to send in their questions about tech topics, and you can do that by tweeting us with the hashtag AskRecode. Walt, do you want to read the first question here? Uh, sure, Lauren. This question is from Aditya Agal, if I'm pronouncing that right. And it says, why do you think 3D Touch does not feature on the SE? Would have made app developers more inclined toward 3D Touch? No. Hmm, that's a really good question. It's one that I think we've been asked a lot over the past few days. So it seems to me as though because the phone, the iPhone SE, has the same body as earlier iPhones and that 3D Touch was developed for a larger phone originally, that it would probably take a little bit more extensive engineering and it'll probably be more expensive as well in order to do 3d touch on this device right there'd yeah, be additional I mean, there, layer display layers right um the what they call the display stack which is i think some people maybe think it's just there's just a piece of glass there that's the screen but it's really multiple layers mm-hmm. apple added a special layer for 3d touch or modified a layer i'm not sure whether they added one or modified one but whatever it is it was difficult to fit into the body they wanted to reuse the body design and dimension they wanted to reuse from the 5s okay so no 3d touch on the se and no 3d touch on the ipads either but once again it gets back to that whole idea of you're talking about a completely different form factor body dimensions all that uh this question is from jude sturman he asks will my logitech ultra thin keyboard work with the 9.7 inch ipad pro what are the reasons to switch well, let's talk about the keyboard first. Um, you've used, with the larger iPad Pro, you used the Logitech Create keyboard, right? Yeah, I don't even remember the model name, but if you say so, I believe you. Yeah. Um, I don't think an existing older Logitech keyboard, I don't know what this model is. I'm just going to be honest. Oh, I like the Ultra Thin. I reviewed that. Does that have yeah. this connector? So it does not have the okay. smart connector. So if it doesn't it have the smart connector, Bluetooth. it won't snap on. But that doesn't mean it won't work with it because all of these devices have Bluetooth. And so it'll just work the way it works now with Bluetooth. And the 9.7 iPad is essentially the same dimensions as the Air 2, I mm-hmm. think. Right. It's, it seems like it's So it should thin. probably fit in and yeah. work, but you'd have to double check with... I would double check with Logitech on that. As for the reasons to switch, I think we went over those. I'm less clear than I am on the phone, but it is more powerful and it does have the ability to work with the pencil. Okay. This next question is from at Bob Piercig. He says, my MBA, that's MacBook Air, has 500 plus CDs copied into iTunes. And for our younger audience who aren't sure what CDs are, Google it. Can I move to iPad Pro without losing my music? Is it a laptop replacement? Um, So he's asking if you can store 500 plus CDs worth of music onto iPad Pro without losing the music. I think the storage on the iPad Pro, if you have enough money, goes pretty high, right? It goes up to 256 gigabytes of storage now. The new one does. I don't know what 500 CDs of music is, but... Maybe. Yeah, and a lot. I mean, you can use um, what's uh, Apple's cloud service, right, for putting your music mm, in the cloud. Depends whether Bob wants to put it in the cloud. I don't know. Yeah, I personally um, have not agreed And you can move the music there either from the cloud or, you know, just by syncing with iTunes on his MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. As for whether it's a laptop replacement, Apple 
says it is. Actually, our our next listener asked that as well at Pasha Mom said, is the iPad Pro a definite replacement to MacBook Air? This is this. We've been hearing this a lot since last fall, since the Pro was first announced, the original one. Well, I, you know, again, I think for a lot of things it is. Even I, though, as a big tablet fan, don't think it's 100 percent replacement. I think the right way to think about this is scenarios. Think of the scenarios for which you use your laptop. And imagine that you have a keyboard and a stylus and a fast, powerful screen with a million apps. I think given that, there's a lot of scenarios that you used to use your laptop for that you can use your tablet for, but not all. I would not, even I would not say all. I mean, a lot of times I end up using my desktop on my laptop for things, just basic things, file storage, I move a photo there quickly because then I have to upload it to our content management system at work or I just need to be able to, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lack of control with the lack of desktop that comes inherently with the iPad interface, I mean the iOS. And I know that's a strange thing. And I know that you can put things into how apps old are and you, cloud storage. <laughs> how old are you? What do you mean how old am I? I mean, I'm... I have no problem moving photos around from iOS or Android devices. I don't need a desktop computer to do it. But have you, have you ever tried to furiously upload several images during a live event into your blog? No, I have, I have assistance during... to do that. Yeah, I just and there's and there's also I mean I know that you can now multitask and use split screen on iPad, but to me like there's still a lack of window management. Yeah, no, look, in all seriousness, I am a tablet guy, as you said earlier. I do use my iPad, even on my iPad Mini, for productivity things. I still do not think it's a complete laptop replacement, and and that also goes. I mean, you know, the irony on this on Microsoft Surface. Surface Pro, which is a competitor, this is most people that are sitting there using the Windows desktop. Desktop, yep, exactly. As if it was a computer. Well, there is our answer, Bob and Pasha Mom. We both say that it is not a definite replacement to MacBook Air or any other PC for that matter. All right, this next question is from Bobby Delaney. His Twitter handle is at thatgeekdad. Any word on what the RAM is for the iPhone SE? Two gigabytes made a world of difference from the 6 to the 6S. Oh, Bobby. Bobby, you are a geek dad. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. Well, first of all, we don't know. Apple never says. We tried. I was in the room when a member of our team asked, and they wouldn't say. But I think... I'm not sure that two gigabytes made a world of difference. Something made a world of difference, but I don't know whether it was the extra RAM. I know there are people who believe that. Here's the thing. Apple is a vertically integrated company. It's different. It's different than Windows on Dell or Android on Samsung. They control the whole thing. And there's a million levers they have which integrate the software and the hardware. So to make something faster, to make something save more battery life or do this or do that, amount of RAM could matter. Something else could matter. They could maybe do the same thing or better with less RAM. We just don't know. And Apple doesn't share that or doesn't really get too specific on things like 
how many milliamps are in a battery that are in a phone or a tablet, right? I mean, they just, it's the belief there that consumers don't really want to know all that stuff and they just want it to work and work well. that well. has been their philosophy since the very beginning. Do you agree with that? I mean, other Apple. companies share some of that I do believe in that. I think it's a, I actually think it's a big mistake to buy hardware based largely on specs. I think, you know, Apple does publish they don't publish that particular spec, but they publish lots of specs. So you, you have the right to be informed about the specs. And somebody will do a teardown and tell you what the milliamp battery is in this phone and, and what the how much RAM there is. But I think most people are going to go by word of mouth, consumer reviews, journalist reviews, just going to the store and trying it, whatever, uh, and not you know worry about how many – again – Fewer milliamps, they can still get more battery life out of it because they control the operating right. system. Right, it depends, and it also depends on how efficient a processor is and yeah. how well the software is running and other factors as well. I think we're going to devote an entire podcast to RAM. I'm going to have you on as a special guest. No, I'm not coming about, on the RAM podcast. About, <laughs> I've already said RAM. all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard you heard it here, guys. I asked him. He said no. Next question. This is from uh, Jake Scholes. And he says, is Apple's new normal of product increments a sign that they are out of ideas in the style of Steve Jobs? What do you think about that? It really wasn't a very big event this week. You know, people forget that under Steve Jobs, they announced five different iPods. And they had events where they introduced the iPod Shuffle. They had an event where they introduced what were called socks, which were woolen things that looked like socks that were iPod cases. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the whole event, but and he actually looked embarrassed those. introducing it. Um, oh, no, I do remember those. Yeah, they were in different colors. Yes. Um, so, you know, things have changed at Apple. Of course, you can't lose deep jobs and not have things change. But I don't think they're out of ideas. I think it's too early to say that. What do you think the next big idea is? Uh, well, they're supposedly working on a car. They certainly have been hiring and spending money on VR. And I think the Princess Leia hologram is coming. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> the eye hologram. That's going to be at, uh, maybe a fall event. We'll see that one. Um, okay, and I think that this actually is the last question. It's from at Parav Meta. Do you think there is another event this year, maybe for iPhone 7 and Apple Watch 2? I'm confident there's another event this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe September, maybe I have October. no inside information, but Don't listen to I'm him, confident people. there will be He's a fall event. There's calendar. a fall event every year to announce an iPhone in time for holiday sales. And it would be logical also to expect a second-gen watch. Okay. This is the first time that Apple has done an iPhone in the spring, is that correct? Or, I don't know uh, if it's the first time, but first, it's unusual. I'm trying to think of the time frame of when the first. Well, they announced, was announced the first iPhone in January, but that was a special deal. This is, I guess, a Steve Jobs story. <laughs> so they announced it six months before it went on sale, which is highly, highly unusual for them. And he said, "You got to come to this and all of that." And they did it in the middle of the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a whole story. You can read it in. I think Walter Isaacson's book. But I asked him at some point, why did you do this six months before you were going to ship? Because 
they don't normally, he likes surprises. He liked surprises, and why would he do that? And he said, well, it's a phone. The first time they'd made a phone. And with a phone, the FCC is going to put it on their website because it has to go through FCC certification in a way that a normal electronic device doesn't. And he said to me, I'm not going to let the damn FCC announce my phone. So he announced it in January. January is not March, but, you know. It was at the start of the year. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule about this. One analyst said that they did this particular, this derivative product that doesn't break new technology ground but is more of a business move, that they did it because this is typically a weak quarter and they're expecting dropping iPhone sales. So it was a good time to do it. I don't know if that's true. All right. You heard it here from Mossberg. Uh, This is definitely not maybe the most innovative launch event that we've been to. No. But, you know, we still saw a new iPhone, new iPad. Isn't it so funny? We've become so, I don't know, inured to this. We're like, oh, yeah, it's a new phone and a new iPad. And it was the last event at that particular location. And we're still seeing it as not a big deal. But maybe that also is because so many rumors leak out in advance. Right. Okay, and now we're going to take a very short break for this week's special sponsor. This episode is brought to you by New York's hottest new club, The Walt. This place has everything. iPads to take your orders, speedy internet, and of course, everyone on staff has one of those iconic goatees. If you're looking for a good drink, try the Dr. Mo, a margarita made with green tea. (laughs) The Walt reserves the right to refuse service to anyone, including and especially the people responsible for the Wi-Fi on United Airlines flights. That's the Walt, the hippest new place to control, Walt, eat, and drink. Oh, I have to give credit to our producer, Eric Johnson, for that one, because Eric Johnson, I'm pretty sure he was thinking of that one all week. That was really good. Uh, But back to our discussion of real things. I want to give a shout out to Walt's usual podcast, Control Walt Delete, which he hosts every week with our colleague, Neelai Patel. Uh, Walt, who do you like better as a co-host, me or Neelai? Um, I'm I'm just going to take the fifth on that, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to take the fifth. All right. I love uh, all of my children. (laughs) (laughs) I'll ask you once the podcast is over and we're not recording anymore and then you can tell me the truth, which is obviously me. But (laughs) you can find Control Walt Delete on iTunes and TheVerge.com. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. And I'm especially grateful to Walt Mossberg for joining me on uh, this very special edition of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Lauren, I will join you here at your home mm-hmm. anytime Nougat the Cat is present. Can I hold you to that? You can hold me to that. Can we talk about I mean, ram, it, it was Nougat's presence. No ram. No. No. And I, I happen to know that Nougat is also against discussing RAM. No, but I think he likes the smaller iPhone SE because totally. it's paw-friendly. <laughs> it is totally <laughs> paw-friendly. That's the that's the missing audience <laughs> for it. Yeah, Apple needs to start cats. making iPhones for pets. <laughs> yeah. It well, could be huge. It could huge. be. Huge. Y-U-U-G-E. <laughs> huge. 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 <laughs> Actually, the new iPhone SE would be great for Donald Trump. Small hands? Mm, I'm not going there. <laughs> all right. All right. Before I get into too much trouble, if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. And look, you should definitely subscribe to this podcast and to your favorite podcast in general. You won't forget to find the episode you want. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday in our case. 
And to catch up on previous episodes where Lauren and Kara answer all of the tech questions that their listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. <laughs> Sometimes you get to hear Kara Swisher verbally abusing me, which some people seem to really enjoy. I don't know. It's I fine. Know. I can take it. I can take it. That's all on iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. Or you can also listen on recode.net slash podcasts. Also, because right now we're plugging all of our awesome podcasts, you should really check out the other Recode podcasts. There's Recode Decode with Kara Swisher, Recode Replay, where you hear great content from all of our conferences. And our newest show is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. And um, I don't know anybody who knows the media industry better than Peter Kafka. Uh, Peter is the absolute top media reporter in the country. He knows everybody in media, TV networks, YouTube stars, even some people in print. I mean, he just knows everybody in media, and he's getting those people on the podcast, and I personally enjoy it very much. I do as well. I enjoy it more than Peter in real life, actually. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Peter is an acquired taste. He is. I'm just kidding. I, we love Peter. We love Peter. And he's fantastic. Great and guy. He's such a straight shooter that you know you're just you're getting really great interviews with him and these, you know. No, we kid sometimes, but we're dead serious about this. You will not regret it if you listen. Well, if you listen to any of these, actually. They're all great. And while, uh, since you're our special ambassador from The Verge today. I should also plug The Verge's other podcast. Neelai Patel, who's the editor-in-chief of The Verge and our friend, hosts The Verge Cast every week, which is kind of a wild, woolly podcast that's done on video as well as audio. It's pretty fun. It, it's very fun. Mm-hmm. We, we've been on it. Chris Plant hosts What's Tech? And Liz Lopato and Emily Ishida host Verge ESP, which is spooky Science and, and sciencey and, and entertaining. I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah, it they're really, all really fun. These are all really fun podcasts. And thanks for having me on the show, Lauren. No, thank you. I'm really, really excited that we were able to do this and that you were in town so we could make this Well, happen. I'm heading back to the East Coast. And you enjoy that cold weather, Walt. I, it's it's, it's really spring. It's spring it's on the East Coast. But the next time Kara runs away, you just give me a call. We can do another podcast. We could do it remotely. You could get on a plane and spend the Verge budget. And maybe we could do it from the East Coast. We do it from Washington, D.C. I mean, we can do it. You're you're welcome to do it at my house. That would be great. Oh, I can come to the war room and see all of your gadgets. That's right. And we can do Too Embarrassed to Ask from there. Which look a lot like your gadgets here. But, you know, what the heck? No, I think you may, I mean, you might actually have a Newton somewhere, which I do not have. Oh, you mean my my museum of ancient gadgets? Yes. Yes, we could do that. Okay, that would be great. All right, let's book it. Okay. All right, guys, you heard it here. Thanks so much for listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, and we'll see you next week. Bye. The Walt reserves the right to refuse and the Walt The Walt reserves I'll get through it. The Walt one to three serious. <laughs>